very warm welcome to the Financial Freedom Podcast, delivered with personality by the team from Rachel Bell Wealth Management, along with their occasional special guest. Today in the studio is uh, myself, Practice Principal Rachel and Client Experience Director Pam. And we're very much into new territories as far as I'm concerned, because we're going to be exploring and discussing the menopause and the effect that that can have on people's finances. Before we go any further, I do need to say that the discussion points we're covering this podcast are our own views or those of the guest speakers and do not constitute financial advice. We always recommend that you speak with a professional before considering your own situation and taking action. So I'm very much aware I'm in a enclosed space with two <laughs> menopausal women and I really don't want to say the wrong thing. So I'm just going to start off by asking you both to tell me a little bit about your menopause journey. Okay. And how that has affected life, the way you make decisions. And then we'll get onto the wider context of how the menopause can affect women in, from a financial capacity. And then, and also from my point of view, uh, as a man who won't have to go through this, I'll, I'll, at least not myself, but you know, I will have to support somebody going through it at some point um, to help me understand how it all works and what's going on. <laughs> Good luck with that. If, <laughs> help if me I, out, ladies. <laughs> well, one, I would say if I could bottle that and have that right advice for you, James, I think um, none of us would have to work again um, with that. And, and, you know, we can be really, really challenging at times and um, no less so when it's, it's a case of going through the, the menopause. So I think first and foremost, I would just like to say that um, I'm really, really pleased that this is something that is being talked about a lot more. And today for us is about having a conversation in a safe environment where um, hopefully our listeners will relate to uh, as well and also know that they're not going mad, which is where I kind of found myself uh, a, f a few years ago. And so to talk about my journey a little bit, um, I, I've always been very, very open that I've ha I have had, um, you know, throughout my my life, mental health struggles. Uh, but I found myself a few years ago um, just feeling really odd. And I felt like I'd lost me. Um, you know, I've always been quite a confident person, and, but I felt that I didn't know myself anymore. I was reacting um bizarrely to things or irrationally um which which again you catch yourself doing these things i was forgetting what i was wanting to say halfway through a conversation by three o'clock in an afternoon if somebody kind of showed me a bed anywhere then i would have wanted to be asleep on that and so your whole my whole health was suffering but because I'd had battles myself with mental health previously, initially I kind of put it down to that. Um, and then trying to battle internally and carry on regardless, because as a business owner, without me going out to do the work, then the, the bills don't get paid, end of. So, you know, there's a, a lot of responsibility. And I think I had a, a, a real internal battle for quite a long time um, until I tried to reach out for support and that 
probably in the first part of the journey made it a lot worse because there wasn't any support there at all. Um, you know, so when I went to see my uh, GP to chat through, they again, because of my history, just put it down to mental health. Um, when I did start talking about menopause, because I've been doing a lot of research myself, um, then he got a book out, you know, so it, it's, I think, I don't know what the statistics are, but I now know that, that um, it's only a very tiny, tiny part of education throughout medical school about the menopause. Uh, and hormones are part of every single cell in our body, you know, so it's, it's so important. But I couldn't get the help. I couldn't get the help. Now, fortunately, um, I was in a position where um, I could pay for, um, to, for seeing a private clinic. But before I got to that stage, I needed to understand a lot more about it. So I just threw myself into learning and uh, books, podcasts, you name it. And I came across a fantastic lady who to this day I will, will really thank and we recommend so many times as Pam will attest that is a, a lady called Dr. Louise Newson. And she is a real activist, a campaigner uh, about changing everything from making sure that menopause is taught in medical school to um, having um, an app through having her own clinic, through her own charities, raising awareness. She's run so many campaigns and been on TV so many times. And all I can say is that when I actually did get somebody to sit and listen to everything that I was feeling, I just broke down in, in tears because I felt heard. I was lost. My mental capacity was significantly challenged. Um, I was very anxious. Um, there was, I, I couldn't go to social events. Um, I would find myself, I needed to have some time off work. And sometimes I just needed to go to sleep. And that was really not me. Um, but when I did battle through and find support and also a very we created a very safe environment in the office as well yeah. I've always been very transparent about challenges that we all have and I want everybody to feel in that safe environment as well thankfully we don't all have meltdowns on the same day <laughs> but was I in a position to make big financial decisions absolutely not for you know for, for me I was always the one who looked after my own life admin um, and fundamentally, then I, I wasn't able to function the same. Uh, but as soon as I got that help and support and you know, hormone replacement therapy is not right for everybody. And there's reasons why some people can't have that. But don't stop asking for help and support, even if it's having a chat with your closest friend uh, is what I would really recommend. Thanks, Rachel. Long answer there, Jim. It, it, was, a long, it was a long answer. Um, it, it sounds like you got put through the mill really throughout that process and you know I've got I've got a question to follow up from that but Pam can you perhaps share your experience as well with me because it'll be different I guess every yeah. woman's experience uh, is different yeah I, I think everybody's everybody's experience will be differently My, mine actually began with with physical symptoms before the before the, the you know the anxiety and and the the brain fog and and, and the, the mental um the mental health side kicked in but um a couple of years ago I was having really serious headaches um so that's how mine started although at the time 
I didn't realize what it was. Um, I was referred for MRI. I was referred to headache clinic at the hospital. Couldn't get to the bottom of why I was why I was having headaches. And I said to my GP at the time, could I be perimenopausal? Um, and was told, they didn't think so. They told, they was told no. Um, obviously headaches continued, but as, as time went on, um, lack of sleep, um, night sweats. So, that, so my, mine began with, with more, the more physical symptoms side, um, swiftly followed by the brain fog, um, lack of organization, um, anxiety, loss of confidence. Um, I think that was, that was when I really first noticed that that, that side had become difficult for me when I just lost um, I lost confidence. Pam was always the calm voice of reason in the office. Mm. Um, and you, you put it down to COVID, didn't you, for quite I a did. long time yeah. as well? I, I actually, actually, I did. And Challenges I think, of the pandemic. Yeah, that, that's true because I, I had I had COVID um, and and struggled for, for a good two or three months post-COVID with, with fatigue and... Um, and Homeschooling. I, yeah, and I was homeschooling, yeah. Um, so actually I put, I put, I put a lot, I did put a lot of it down to possibly long COVID or, or maybe, you know, maybe, but, um, but in the end, anyway, it was, uh, I think my, my struggle with it was shorter than Rachel's because of what Rachel went through, because Rachel completely noticed the signs in me, um, and after a little bit of nagging, <laughs> after quite a bit of nagging, um, persuaded me to get the help, um, you know, that 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 I needed. And um, it, and yeah, you know, I'm, I HRT thankfully is right for me. It's peers because six months in, I'm starting to feel a whole lot better. It's a funny situation that that I find myself in because I think with this topic first came up at sort of midnight at an awards ceremony we are and, and you know <laughs> yeah. we were bottles of wine down the line and before we knew it it was 1am and Pam was still talking to me about the menopause and I'm like <laughs> oh my god you know this is blowing my mind um I remember that and, and, it, and it, it it literally had not been a topic that I'd ever discussed with anyone before or explored with anyone before and I don't think that I'm alone in my circle of friends no you won't be in being in that position and it and it's not a case of well maybe it is a case of avoiding it actually because it just feels like a bit of a taboo subject but actually since that conversation that we had I've mentioned that conversation in in a work context and one of my colleagues has said well you know, let me tell you about my experience with the menopause <laughs> and I've been like oh, okay all right, well, I'll listen and then uh, in a totally different context on site with a client I was telling them about these podcasts that we were doing yeah um and I said, oh, I'm doing a podcast with some clients on the menopause. And they were like, well, you know, let me tell you about my experience <laughs> with the menopause. So I've sort of like gone from zero to a hundred miles an hour in <laughs> the space of about a month from, you know, having little understanding of it um, to probably not having a great deal more understanding of it, but at least having an awareness of it. So how, how do you think it impacts that? Well, why do you, let's back it back. Why isn't it discussed more openly? I think probably because a lot of women just struggled on their own. Yeah. Uh, because you almost blame yourself that it's, you think it's something fundamentally wrong. You almost, there's an embarrassment for sharing how you're feeling. Um, and I think because we've seen a huge shift, especially on the mental health side of things, yeah. which is amazing. Um, 
we feel that we can talk a lot more openly if you're not feeling yourself particularly. Um, and then the conversations just grow from, from, grow from there. So I think it's one of those things that we are now starting to see coming to every um, workplace and, uh, you know, have policies around it and to make sure that we have a safe place for people to discuss it. And again, from the medical profession side of things, you know, I mean, they have a blooming tough time trying to keep on top of, every illness going, never mind menopause. So I, I get that, but it is now being brought into the forefront because the reality is women are roughly 50% um, of the world and a huge part of every single economy. So we're, we're quite important. Um, so in order to get this right, it's going to benefit everybody. And I don't want to bring it back down to money because that's not ultimately what the conversation is about but the reality is there's more of a risk if we don't start talking about it than if we do mm. um and and i've got some um some figures that really highlight that and, and i can really understand where these figures come from and the figures that we've got here are re uh, relating to a study that was done by the Fawcett society um and it was menopause in the workplace it's done in 2022 but 14% of women have reduced their hours at work due to menopause symptoms. When we look at 14% have gone part-time because of menopause symptoms, one in 10 have left a job because of the menopause. And approximately 8% haven't applied for a promotion. So if you think what I was saying there about, you know, I lost confidence and I lost who I thought... If an opportunity for a promotion or something came in front of me, I couldn't have thought of anything worse than applying for that. But for the very age that you go through this, which is roughly 45 to 55, that's often at the peak of a woman's career as well. Mm. Um, so it's at the peak of a woman's career. It's the peak of earning capacity. So if you've got a whole demographic that's having to work less or not work at all because of the menopause, that can have a big influence on the rest of their lives financially. Mm. So the importance of addressing it and the importance of looking at making sure that we can do something about it or plan for it. You know, if we plan that we know that actually, do you know what? I do want to be able to work a little bit less um, around that age, then we can plan for it financially because this is part of the reason why there is still such a huge gap, uh, gender gap. And I'm not just talking about gender, about pay related. Financial planning, generally, there is a huge wealth gap between men and women. And menopause is very much one of those reasons why. I think actually the, the reason that it is getting talked about a lot more now as well, and you, you don't have to go back very far um, to, to, to when women didn't have higher power jobs, women didn't work as much, women were at home maybe around this time. Um, but obviously, we, you know, significant strides in the, in, in the past, you know, couple of decades about women in, 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 in employment and women in business um, and women doing more, um, more high power jobs, more, you know, and generally working more. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why, um, this is now getting talked about and, and why the figures around it, um, exist really because, because it's highlighted more because, you know, these women who, who, you know, a few generations ago would have been at home at this time mm -hmm. are now working. 
Um, and it's it's important, I think, for workplaces um, to acknowledge that and to acknowledge the fact that they need to make allowances. Maybe that's the wrong expression. I don't know. Um, but certainly have menopause in, in mind when it comes to their workforce. How early should this conversation be tackled when it comes to, you know, if, if a couple are planning for their financial future? Mm. How soon in that conversation or at what point in life do they start to think or, or plan for stuff like this? Because generally, well, I mean, it won't apply to all women because, you know, everyone's circumstances is different, but many will be in relationships um, with a man who will sort of have to stand shoulder to shoulder with them through this process. And it's it's difficult to know what to do or or what to say. And, you know, I wouldn't suggest for a minute that it's as or can be as traumatic for the man as it can be for the woman, but it's uncharted territory nevertheless for, for, for the other half in, in, in this relationship. So really challenging, really challenging time. For... What, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> Give me some tips. Rachel, Rachel, he really wants to know. I know, I know. And the thing is what, what I kind of, when we're having a conversation about this quite often, often. because quite a lot of our clients are of a similar age as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else other than to say that quite a lot of the time what you do say will be wrong, James. But if you don't say it, that will be wrong as well. Um, <laughs> if you do something, that might be right and it might be wrong. Um, you've just literally got to be there to give a hug. What happens if that's the case now? Does, <laughs> it, does that just get amplified? Yeah. <laughs> I think where, where it comes in and, you know, we've talked about... Um, financial planning throughout all stages of life and it's one of those things that you don't necessarily plan ahead for but when we look at any financial journey because there's a lot of other things that come into play for women as well and we know that there's some changes some really positive changes coming in for childcare, but there's all sorts of reasons why women's finances are lesser than a man because traditionally it is often still the woman that stays at home while the children are younger because it can often be a debate of or it has been is it worth me going to work? Because the childcare cost is so high. Um, so there's lots and lots of reasons built in that will mean that financial planning helps through all of those areas. And it might be that you know, there's significant demands on your income while children are little, uh, whilst they're still at school, that mean that you can't save that much into your pension or into general savings. But there will be points throughout your career where one or both of you will potentially be able to save more. Um, and I think, it's, again, we've talked about the importance of our review meetings, but when we have reviews with clients, apart from going through and making sure that the advice that we've given is still relevant, it's having a catch up and what's going on in life. How are you both? Mm -hmm. How are the kids? How is everything else going? What are the challenges you've got? What plans have you got coming up for the next year and 12 months? And throughout those conversations... I think we are particularly good that we've got really good levels of emotional intelligence where you often pick up on things. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean to say that we then kind of interrogate on something, <laughs> but we pick up, up on something and we will maybe just check in a little bit more frequently yeah. um, to see how people are or if there's anything that they want to chat through with us and things like that. Because I think, again, part of the challenge is if we give them one less thing to worry about because we've got the financial planning side of things, they can focus more on mm -hmm. getting support in areas that we can't support with. And and I would never ever, um, you know, pretend to be an expert on menopause at all. 
I've had to do a lot of my own research. I would ha I ha I've got no financial incentive to recommend um, the Newson Clinic, but I can just say they've been amazing for me. Um, but just feeling heard, having a plan, and if that plan has to take a bit of a break, um, or we can't pay as much in for a short period of time, that's all right. Mm. Um, you know, as long as we kind of plan to pick it back up. Do you think that? Do you think that when you, over the period of time? So I'm going to ask a basic question here. You know, how long does this last for? <laughs> so, so look at his face. You've got two stages. <laughs> You've got two stages, and it does vary differently. So I was very early, and the the I don't know what the clinical terms are, but you've got first of all the perimenopause. So the perimenopause is the bit before you hit full menopause. So I think the 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 clinical uh, description is if a woman hasn't had a period for 12 months or longer is when you are classed as being postmenopausal. But it can be 10 years prior to that. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> it it can go on for around about 10 years where you start to have symptoms that might be the physical as Pam described mm. or it might be the brain fog or being irrational or hot tempered and all of those things combined and gradually and gradually the those symptoms can increase but some people don't have any symptoms nope. you know so there's and there's an awful lot that now is uh, recommended with diet mm. and um all sorts of different things that are recommended so it, it but it could be 10 years james i'm sorry so we've got a potential 10 year Stretch, where um, <laughs> stretch. You're serving your menopause. You're, like you're serving your menopause time. Um, to, to what degree does it affect the ability? Because we're talking finances here. To what degree? And 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 with the caveat that everyone will be different. But to what degree can it affect somebody's ability to to make decisions that aren't based on emotions, but are just based on? more measured thinking i actually don't think so i mean if i think about how i was um then it was it was kind of personal life outside of work where i really struggled at work you know to a certain extent most of the time it's face on focus on what you're doing and i've got i had the support of the whole team with me as well so very capable and able of functioning at work. But then as soon as I was outside of work, sometimes I just collapse in a heap and just need to sleep um, and not focus and not have any energy. So I think it's it's more where, not that you're incapable of making decisions, because I don't think at any point I was incapable of making decisions. It was more about I couldn't deal with something else to think about. Um, so things perhaps get put off um, or you would kind of say, oh, we'll do that another time or we'll do it another time. So things can get put off rather than not making decisions. And I think most women would feel the same because if you haven't got the energy to deal with something that requires even more brain capacity when at times you're struggling to remember what the next part of your sentence was going to be. And it's as, remember is a, is a funny word, but sometimes yeah. you might be having a conversation and then something else will distract you 
And everybody's yeah. looking at you with this blank face and you're going, what? And you're going, well, you haven't finished. <laughs> and then it's like, okay. Yeah. So, but I was always capable of making a decision. Mm-hmm. And, and if a crisis happened, I think your natural instinct still kicks in uh, for everything with that. But I think where the bigger impact is, is the over the longer term, how these things can have a bigger impact on planning overall. You know, so... I think often women um, are very often the carer um, and the nurturer in the family, and not in every case at all. You know, I mean, um, my husband is an amazing dad and he's been an amazing support to me. That support is really important, but it impacts on how much you save for your retirement. It impacts on the fact that you put everybody else first before your own saving needs, as we were talking about in earlier pods to do with the sandwich generation we're more likely to feel that we're not planning enough. So you worry about things more, which means that you then get more anxious and it can be a bit of a vicious cycle sometimes. So sometimes where our meetings and our planning helps is to just help put things into perspective and to help um, demonstrate where they are and what they need to do so that you're not worrying about things that you don't know about we just put it all into context um and And i think and just take a little bit extra time um which is you know i mean obviously i think previous um the previous season of this pod we we did talk about vulnerable clients Mm -hmm. um and and women going through the menopause if if they're having you know not not sailing through it and having having a a rough time with it uh, you know we we would we would possibly treat them as potentially vulnerable for a while. And and vulnerability doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't, doesn't mean what it sounds. I think it just means that we need to take a little bit extra time, make sure they understand, you know, and, and if, if they need a couple of extra um, visits in that time, just to go through things again and give them time to absorb it. Cause I mean, I know, I know for me, um, for me personally, um, you know, the ability just to take things in, and and keep it in my brain mm. <laughs> kind of disappeared for for a while um so 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 maybe maybe just you know going going and, and going over things a couple of times just to make sure that that the client understands so it's just taking that little bit extra time and that little bit extra care isn't it but i mean again everybody is different and vulnerability isn't something that's detrimental either we don't mean that in any derogatory sense at all just sometimes we all need a bit of an arm round mm. um, and, and that little bit of extra time. And sometimes if we don't feel that now is the right time, then we just pause. Yeah. Um, you know, we just pause and we'll just say, why don't we just kind of give it a bit of time? We'll just see how things pan out and then we'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> we probably can't. I'm thinking like you're taking a menu. Pause. pause. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh dear! I'll probably put that out. Yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> you do have to keep a sense of humour about it, though, and that, and actually, yeah. we—that's what we, we try do. and do in the office. Yeah, we do as yeah. well because we joke yeah. that none of us have, thankfully, have meltdowns at all at the same time. Yeah. There's poor Abigail, bless her, that's you know 
only in her twenties, and she's looking. I'm thinking, Jesus, I've got this to come. <laughs> and there's Gemma in the corner saying, "I've got to try and remember what you've forgotten and what you've forgotten." <laughs> and then Pam and I will look because I used to me. be the person that remembered what everyone had forgotten, and now and Pam and I will look at each look across the room at each other and just try and finish each other's sentence. Yeah. So it's it is a very comedic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's great. I mean, so you're a small business with a small team, and you've yeah. got this really supportive. Yeah. You've got this really. You've built this really supportive environment where it's all right to have your meltdowns or forget but for you know for bigger teams or bigger businesses how do they start to foster a culture like that it's a real challenge actually um I mean, I, 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 I was doing a little bit of research and um, and I, I did come across Santander, who in 2021, so they're obviously huge, huge, um, you know, corporate, in 2021 rolled out um, a dedicated menopause help service for for all of their staff, um, which, you know, which was, you know, one-to-one, virtual one-to-one um assistance um and, and, a, and a pack of resources and support um which i think is fant- absolutely fantastic mm. um you know so, so for somebody that big can can e- even just a little bit of help um you know i just think it, it again it comes back to awareness and it comes back to um to employers just being aware and and you know they don't have to go that far maybe but just just something um yeah. to help because with that you know it <laughs> It's commercially the right thing to do as well, because if you are providing that kind of support and it doesn't have to be huge support, sometimes just having a list of symptoms that you can tick and you just think, oh, yeah, that's me, makes you feel that you're not going mad. But the commercial value of having investing in that kind of service to support people, you'll get that back tenfold. Because the productivity will be better, that you won't have people having time off. You will, you'll have the right people applying for promotions and yeah. staying in the job. And we know, you know, the UK economy is suffering terribly at the moment with productivity. So there is a real commercial reason to do it. And I, I think I would recommend that um, as many places, and I know um, you guys do, James, you have mental health first aid champions. You would almost have somebody, and probably somebody that's been through it a bit themselves that would maybe be a champion within a team for somebody to just be able to go and have a chat to in a kind of safe environment it's an odd one for me because you know it's on my radar and agenda now and as a business or in my business um we as you say we've got mental health first aid we've got a mental health charter we've got a mental health policy you Mm -hmm. know so we've done a whole lot of work around that and we've recently had uh, sessions in the office about so like LGBTQIA inclusivity mm-hmm. and how we can make our business as welcoming as possible to people in that community. But we've 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 never once said, oh yeah, let's do some stuff on the menopause. And that's not a deliberate avoidance of the menopause. It's just not as high on the agenda across the board, I yeah. don't think, as some of those other issues are. Mm-hmm. But actually they're all, you know, they're all really important. Yeah. matters that you need to get to grips with as a business so i mean I, I for one will be going back and saying right well what are we going to do about this we've got a team that's weighted more towards females and males at some point mm. they will likely need support as the business grows and the team grows and and the the, the range of ages grows mm-hmm. there will be more people that 
that needs support. So that's, I mean, that will be my takeaway from today as well as understanding a bit more detail from, from the two of you, your own experiences, you know, that then sort of helps me in, in actually in, from, from a personal perspective, um, from a professional perspective as well. And I think anybody listening to this podcast right now, whether it's um, somebody who's going through the menopause, somebody who is approaching the age where it's likely, the partner of somebody who might, an employer who has got women within their team it, it, of that it age. It everyone yeah. in some you know, I think some that, that's what I'm trying to say in a very long-winded yeah. way, Pam, is that yeah. it, it does touch everybody in some way or another. But importantly, James, and I know we joked about it when you were kind of saying about what do you do, but sometimes, you know, the impact on you, um, if you've got, you know, your wife uh, that's that's really struggling with it, will have an impact on you as well. So sometimes having a resource that you can talk to about where you could perhaps help you help your wife with or something like that is just as important because if you're going into work stressed stressed out because you feel that you haven't been able to support your wife as much as you want to that that is equally important mm. um you know so i think one of the lessons i would say is that we don't just project it out that that menopause support is only for women mm. fundamentally if you can have a conversation where you understand it a lot more like we're doing now that puts you in a lot more of a position of strength than it was before. It's, you know, having these conversations and our our industry is predominantly male um, dominated, but it's still very important, even if you have the conversation that you're going through a bit of a tough time um, or that, you know, you don't necessarily want to share it with your financial advisor, but you share it with your partner or you share it with somebody that can give you the, give you the support so because i think we are quite unique with that really in that we do pick up on things and we do often then mm. end up having more conversations than most advisors probably would because you're an all-female practice and you're just yeah, tuned I into so, it yeah yeah um and i think emotional intelligence generally about mental health as well because we've been we've been through that as well. So would I have felt comfortable talking to a male suited financial advisor? Probably not. No, but um, men open up to us because we're women, and women up to open up to us because we're women. Almost, isn't it? And because sometimes we're brave enough to oh yeah broach subjects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no different to the conversation we've had before. It's yeah. just talking about something that's really important affecting your life. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. In terms of financial, for financial advice side of things, my message from from this would be it can have a very real impact um, on financial planning over the long term, but it doesn't need to have a huge impact in the bigger scale of things. Mm -hmm. We just need to be able to adapt and go with it and have a conversation. And whether anybody's having a tough time because of the menopause or any other reason, life throws us curveballs that we can plan effectively for and it doesn't have to have a huge impact over the long term thanks rachel uh, in fact thanks both of you because you've put yourself in quite i don't know vulnerable situations there in terms of sharing your own personal experiences and 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 how they affected you mentally and physically and and, and just you know in a, in a general life sense probably going to resonate with a lot of people actually that are that are listening today so thank you it's been an education for me 
Good. Good. Start or the continuation of my learning journey on the menopause. <laughs> um, look forward to seeing you both soon on a future podcast. So thanks, Rachel. Thank you, James. And thank you, Pam, as well. You're welcome. We always want to hear what you've got to say about the pod. So if you've got a question or you'd like to make a comment, please head to our socials on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Just search for Rachel Bell Wealth Management and the ladies will magically appear. Earlier in this podcast, Rachel referenced a number of figures linked to menopause and finances. These figures came from a report by the Fawcett Society entitled Menopause in the Workplace, which was published in May 2022. The value of an investment with St James's Place will be directly linked to the performance of the funds you select and the value can therefore go down as well as up. You may get back less than you invested. The levels and bases of taxation and relief from taxation can change at any time. The value of any tax relief depends on individual circumstances. Rachel Bell Wealth Management is an appointed representative of and represents only St James's Place Wealth Management PLC which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purpose of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services, more details of which are set out on the group's website, sjp.co.uk forward slash products. SJP approved October 19th, 2023.